Hallelujah. How's everybody doing today? All right, you will have to convince me better than that. How's everybody doing today? Amen. Everybody ready to get lambasted in the Holy Ghost this morning? Amen. Praise God. I know you're reading Psalm 66, and um, we're going to talk about a little bit about that this morning. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, Ish, pray for us this morning. Amen. Psalm 66, starting in verse 10, and I'm reading from the NIV, and I also have the New King James. We'll just kind of bounce it around here. <clears throat> Psalm 66, 10, for you, O God tested us you refined us like silver you brought us into prison come on someone say amen you laid burdens on our backs you let men ride over our heads come on someone say amen we went through the fire and the water but you brought us to a place of abundance I didn't even have to ask on that one. Hey, praise God. I will come to your temple with burnt offerings and fulfill my vows to you. Vows my lips promised and my mouth spoke when I was in trouble. I will sacrifice fat animals to you and an offering of rams. I will offer bulls and goats. Selah. Come and listen, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. I cried out unto him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. Praise be to God. Amen. You know, this morning we're looking at this uh, passage of Scripture and we're reminded that everyone is this is the leadership hallelujah of the church that i'm looking at this morning can you say amen can you say praise god can you say thank you jesus i'm in leadership now let me explain to you something about leadership when you say i want to be in ministry when you say i want to start a church like pastor joe has said and when you come into a place of understanding that you are called into ministry, you're called to serve the Lord, it's further than just reading your Bible and flossing your teeth. Come on, somebody. We are talking about saying, I want to be in ministry. We're talking about saying, I want to have a part in this thing. And let me tell you what you're really saying. You're really saying, I want to start a fight. That is what you are saying. You're telling the devil, I'm not uh, happy just letting you be and letting me be. I want to start a fight with you. Can you say amen? Anybody want to fight the devil in here this morning? You may not want to fight, but I'm telling you, when you decide to start in ministry, you're saying, I want to start a fight with the devil. I don't know if you have ever started a fight before. Maybe you started a fight with your mouth or maybe something you did started a fight. But let me tell you something. The minute you stood before heaven and earth and you said, God, I accept the call of God on my life, you have started a fight with the devil. Amen? And he is not going to back up. He is not going to stop until he can discourage you, depress you, defeat you, destroy you, do what he does best. He's on his job. Believe me, he's on his job. And you have got to be about your father's business. Can you say amen? For you, oh God, tested us. Who tested us? God tested us. Someone say thank you, Jesus, that the devil don't have to test me. Amen. That I'm getting tested by the master teacher. Hallelujah. Because obviously if the devil is testing me, that means he has some plans and I'm going to pass his test. Come on, somebody. But when God is testing me, the master teacher is testing me, I ought to understand that there's some things that he's been teaching me in the lessons of life, in the classroom of life. And when it comes time to take the test, I already have deposited within me the, uh, the fortitude, the tenacity, the determination, the instructions to succeed in whatever test that I may face. How many ever have taken a test and when you're taking a test, the teacher give you the answer, raise your hand. Y'all was cheating. Most times when you take a test, the teacher don't give you the answers. Amen. What they do is they clarify the question. They try to help you in the answer. Come on, somebody. 
And I want to tell you, this is what you have said to God sometimes. You're like, God, I don't hear from you. I can't hear from you, God. Won't you speak to me? And you're in the middle of a test, and you feel abandoned by the Lord. I'm speaking prophetically to somebody this morning. And you're saying, God's not speaking to me. I'm not getting any directions because you're in the middle of the test. And the teacher's not going to give you the answers because the answer is already in you. You have the principles. Keep walking it out. Amen. You have been already given what you need to succeed and to pass the test. Come on, somebody. Jesus was led of the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Amen. The devil was doing the tempting, but God was doing the testing. God was proving the anointing that had just been deposited on Jesus' life. And sometimes we think that we're never going to experience any trouble. When we get in ministry, I think that everybody told me that everything's going to be great for you. You're going to have a great ministry. It's going to be good. You're going to do it all for Jesus. Yes. You are going to have the biggest ministry you could ever find. It's going to be awesome. They didn't see me with my uh, lights going off and my water being shut off and parents trying to call my phone that was cut off and uh, 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 the church lights cut off and I'm saying, God, you called me to this place? Mm-hmm. You, you weren't there when millionaires came and held out a little wad of money and said, come this way and uh, you can have a church. And then you realize that you trusted more in men and in finances than you did in the living God. And that God had to test you in order to prove you. Did he call you to the insurance? Did he call you to the money? Did he call you to the satisfaction of a home with a big living color TV screen? Or did he call you to the people that are on their way to hell? You're going to be tested. You're going to be proved. The call of God is not something you can just shuck off when you're ready to shuck it off and put it on when you want to put it on. It's something that comes inside of you. It's something that's already deposited inside of you. And just like the Bible says, he tests us and we are refined like silver. Psalms, uh, excuse me, Isaiah 48 uh, says that I, I have refined you in a furnace of affliction. Anybody want to be afflicted? Not too many amens on that one. Amen. I'm going to amen the walls over here in a minute. Okay, now. Listen to what God says. You brought us into prison. You laid burdens on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and water. Can you understand that? Can you understand that there's something of value? Amen. Remember we were talking about is the glory of God to what? Conceal, to hide a matter. We talked about that purpose in life yesterday. Amen. And what... What happens typically, the average church member who gets caught up in gifts in the, of the Holy Spirit, they end up really liking this one gift called the prophetic. Am I right? I mean, this is like the hot thing right now. Everybody gets your ticket stamp. We want to go to the prophetic meeting. Because that man's known to give words of knowledge. He's known to call people out of the crowd and tell them stuff. And listen, I believe God uses that. God has used it in my life tremendously. But I want you to understand something. Your investment in the searching out of the matter is what causes the revelation to have value. You understand what I'm saying? You want a $25 revelation? You go buy somebody's book. You want a, you want a $15 revelation? Go get somebody's tape set. Hello, somebody. I'm talking to somebody in here this morning. I said your investment in the search brings value to the revelation that you receive. Let me tell you something. The devil is not going to take my ministry from me. He's not going to get me to fall over some ice cream cone that's going to melt in five minutes. Because I know what I've paid to get to where I am right now. It's been blood, sweat, and tears. It's been fasting. It's been praying. It's been seeking the face of God. It's been going without. It's been saying, God, are you still with me? Because I have invested my life in this thing. It has brought value to the revelations that God... See, here is the main thing I want to get across to you this morning. This is where I want to start with. You teach what you know, but you impart who you are. You teach what you know, but you impart who you are. You can get the discipleship manuals and you know them back and forth. You know that this is what I have to teach the people that are under me, my disciples. 
But you are not going to impart into them anything but other than who you already are. If you are tore up on the inside, if you have sin hidden in your heart, if you are still struggling in areas, you are going to impart those things into the people that are following underneath you. That ought to put the fear of God in you. It puts the fear of God in me. Because I know I'm standing in front of you this morning and I'm imparting who I am inside of you this morning. The good and the bad. That's what makes me get on my face. That was makes me continue to struggle. That's what makes me lose my sleep at night because I say, God, I'm going to stand up behind a microphone and God, people are going to listen for me to give them a revelation or give them inspiration to move closer to you. And God, whatever I'm doing really in my life is going to come into the people. Can you say amen? You can teach all day. You've got to read your Bible. But if it isn't a part of you, you're not going to impart that to your people. You can teach all day. You need to pray and fast and seek the face of God. But if you ain't doing it in your life, you're not imparting it to the people. This church will begin to morph. This church will begin to transform when the people that are in leadership impart who they are. And when who they are is powerful in God. When who they are is convicted by the sin in their life. When who they are is saying, I seek and I struggle and I know I don't got it all figured out, but God, I'm getting closer to you day by day, moment by moment. You are transforming me in your presence. This morning, God is trying to get you to understand that you are, you've been teaching what you know. And those are very good principles. But you, you really are imparting who you are to those disciples. If there are areas in your life that you know are not solid, it's time to solidify those things in the presence of God this morning. This is why God puts us in the furnace of affliction. Because He is trying to get everything that's the junk out of our lives. Amen? If you have ever seen a, a piece of gold or a piece of silver that has not been refined, that just came out of the earth, you will not want to put that around your neck or on your wrist or on your finger. But when you try it in the fire, the silver goes into something called a smelting pot. And what happens is it literally, they heat up the piece of rock that has silver in it to the point where it becomes like a plasma, like a lava. It can flow. And what happens is it begins to boil there. All the impurities or all the things that are not silver begin to rise to the surface. Come on, somebody. When you fast, have you ever fasted and you get worse in the situation that you are fasting to get out of? I'm telling you, I know. God, i got to get control of my tongue. And all of a sudden you go on a fast, and in the middle of the fast, you, your tongue gets crazy. Am I telling the truth, Pastor Joe? Amen. What happens is when you get in the fire, come on, someone say the fire ya When you get in the fire, the, 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 the silver inside of you, the gold inside of you, the revelation, the value inside of you, the call of God begins to heat up. And God is saying, I'm trying to separate them things from your life that aren't pure, that, aren't re- that are, haven't been refined yet, that need to come out the dross. And so he begins to heat that thing up. And, you know, silver is purified. In fact, the Bible says in, in Psalms 12, I think, verse 6, somewhere around there, it says that silver... Uh, the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver refined in the fire, purified seven times in the fire. God deposits the word. See, what happens is either a man of God speaks it over your life, you already know it, and he confirms it. And then what happens is God tries out that word of prophecy, that promise that he gives you, and it goes through a fire. Because here's what happens. Most times you try to fulfill it in your what? Flesh. You try to make it happen. You try to make it happen for yourself because you said, man, God wants me to have this. So you start trying to la, 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 connect the dots. You're trying to make the thing into the picture you think it's supposed to be. God puts you like he says, you brought us into the prison. You laid burdens on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. Don't they know who I am? Don't they know I've got a call of God on my life? Don't they understand I've got a healing anointing? How come they're not calling me forth to pray for the sick? Maybe because you got a little too much 
mess and impurity in your life, a little too much pride. Maybe you got something because you already think you're the man of, of power for of faith and power for the hour. And maybe God's saying, you know what? You need to watch yourself. You need to sit back and you need to see somebody who's been tried in the fire do it. Just because God said it doesn't mean it's for right now. I mean, I'm going to tell you the number of people in Bible college who told me, God told me that I'm supposed to marry so-and-so. They didn't marry that one. I'm telling you, sometimes your flesh can, uh, your flesh can sound fresh. Come on, somebody. Sometimes your flesh can sound like the King James. The Lord saith to you, walk up out of service. Uh, and go and get you some coffee down the road. And then come back in at the altar time and hooty hooty shundai, do your thing for the king. And tell him you were walking in the wilderness. I'm telling you, man, your flesh can lie. Sound just like Jesus. Quote King James. Man, I know, listen, I saw this happen. There was a guy who came to a church and he marched around a woman at the altar seven times because he said, God told me this is going to be my wife. He marched around the woman, and the woman was the pastor's wife. I'm not lying. I'm telling you the truth. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. You better let it go through the fire. You better let it just dissolve. You better let it say anything that's of the flesh. Come on. Abraham had a promise inside of him, and it had to die. And when he tried to fulfill it in the flesh, he had to let the thing that he made happen in the flesh go. Some of you need to let some things that you are making happen in the flesh go. Some of you got an anointing to sing and to worship God, and you're wondering why you're not up there. I'm going to tell you because you got to let some things go in your life. You're too full of yourself to be useful for the kingdom. I want to be meat for the master's use this morning. I want to be met, tried in the fire so that when I go through the flood and when I go through the fire, God says in verse 12, you brought us to a place of abundance. You know, that's really an open place. Come on, somebody. You must not understand about an open place. Amen. I mean, a crowded place ain't much room to grow. There ain't much room to build up in this thing, huh? But when God puts you through the fire, when God puts you through the flood, when God puts you in prison, when God lets a man light over top of you, when a man speaks to you, and when he, when he puts you down, or when you, you're in ministry loving the people, crying out for them, and they look at you, and they tell you, you know what, I don't want to serve God no more. And your heart is breaking for them, and you're wondering, what in the world these people, I, they don't understand, they don't appreciate, they don't understand what I've been doing for them, and see you still going through the fire. I remember calling a church work day. I know you called a couple of them in there. Mm -hmm. And on a Saturday morning, I was there. I, I had done so much for these people. and Nobody showed up but me. I said, well, they must just be a little bit late. So I started working, doing the church cleanup. And, man, I'm going to tell you something. I worked till about 4 o'clock, and I, the more I worked, the madder I got. Bless God, they don't understand how much I love them. That changed to, boy, these ungrateful people, they don't know the gift of God that's come to their life. I went home. I had to prepare a sermon. And I said, no, I ain't, they, they don't deserve it, God. I ain't preparing no sermon for them. I'm going to turn on the TV. And that's exactly what I did. I sat on the couch and I turned on the TV. And the Holy Ghost started messing with me. He said, turn it off. No. Pastor Joe, I told him last night, I, I, Saturday nights, I used to watch cops all the time. <laughs> I had to give it up when I got into ministry. But that night, I turned on cops. God said, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. How many know he's so, he just wears you down, amen? And if he don't wear you down, you're not in a good place. And he wore me down, and I went to my prayer room. I began to say, God, you don't understand. It's like, I called these people. I asked them to do something for me, and I've done everything for them. You know what he said to me? 
He said, now you know how I feel. You talk about being smote at heart. He said, Glenn, when I ask you to do something, you don't do it for me. When I ask you to be somewhere and you don't show up for me, now you understand how I feel. I'm telling you, I was on the floor on my face, and I appreciated that God gave me the opportunity to hear that revelation because I treated those people differently from that point forward. I was put in a fire, and I realized that pointing out everybody else's failure, God has pointed out my own failure. This is a principle I operate by. God offends the mind to get at the heart. I was offended in my mind, but God was really, truly trying to get at my heart. My heart wasn't right. God sometimes will offend your mind. The man of God will preach, or the man of God will ask you to do something that your flesh does not want to do to expose who you are in your heart. Next time you get mad, next time you, you, you're angry, you need to hold on and, and say, to, say to the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to teach me in this situation? What are you trying to teach me about in this situation? Lord, I've been trying to do my best, and all of a sudden something happens. A man rides over my head. I'm being put in a prison. I feel an extra burden on my back. What's going on? And you're blaming the devil, and you're blaming hell, and it's really God. The possessor of heaven and earth, it's really God. The controller of life, it's really God that has brought you to this place because there's something in you that is not of value for where God is taking you. You ought to say, God, if something is not going to make it in the fire, take it out right now. Take it out of my life right now. Your investment in the search or your involvement, when you are staying engaged in the search for what is God saying about your life, when you're not trying to run from meeting to meeting or you're not trying to hear from preaching to preaching, but it's because you come to church with the revelation already and you're walking in the revelation and then God begins to say, okay, now here's the next revelation. And so you begin to be so invested in the search. One of the natural instincts of a child, you will find out if you don't have children already, they're going to find out, it's called curiosity. Curiosity takes all kinds of stages. When you're this small, as small as Bethany is, curiosity, it can't, you can't get much further than that seat right there. You start to pull on your eyebrows and nose and then... Find they t- find their toes, they find that they have... Uh, you know, caca, and they throw it at you. I'm, yes. But then when they get older, then they start to crawl, then they have curiosity in different ways. So they go through all these stages, but still curiosity is the in, it's, it's, it's a natural ability for the human being. Spiritually, you ought to let the curiosity in you take you to the search of God. Amen. Because, listen, you have let the curiosity that is in your flesh take you to the wrong place too many times. But you have not allowed that curiosity. You haven't allowed that curiosity for, for the prophetic or for the word of knowledge or for vision and dreams. Some of y'all had visions for the first time yesterday. And see, what I'm trying to tell you is you've got to begin to engage yourself and invest yourself in this thing called the search for the, the matter, that hidden thing inside of you that God's called you to do, that purpose, that destiny. You've got to begin to engage. You've got to begin to say daily when I get up, God, what, what are you going to reveal to me today that's going to bring me closer to who I'm supposed to be? You know, after reflecting this last year, I, I've come up with a, a, a life statement for my life, and it goes like this. I will not circumvent God's presence, power, or conviction in order to obtain or fulfill a religious desire. I will not circumvent God's presence, power, or conviction in order to obtain or fulfill a religious desire. And can I break that down for you? This is, this is my life statement. This is from the 2009 onward. I hope to live the rest of my life like this. I will not circumvent the presence, power, or conviction of God in order to obtain or fulfill a religious desire. You see, you have several religious desires inside of you, whether you want to admit it or not this morning. Every one of us has these religious desires inside of us. And it's all about the eyes of man. It's all about what they see and not truly who God is. I will not circumvent. Circumvent means to go around, to avoid to get around something, especially by invention or strategy, to outwit or to outsmart, that means to circumvent. 
And when I say the presence of God, I'm talking about the essence of God, his closest, his awareness of him, the awareness of being close to him. And when I talk about the power, I'm talking about the supernatural working of God. When I'm talking about the conviction, I'm talking about that uttermost inner working of the Holy Spirit to lead you out of sin, death, and lies into truth. What am I talking about? I'm talking about when you know what the end result is supposed to be, and you do everything around what God is saying to do to get that end result. Shortcuts. Come on, somebody. You're shortcutting the process of the refining in your life. So that when you really have to go to a place where you need to spiritually be able to, to have the capacity to do something for God, you don't have it built in you. You don't have any muscle. You don't have any capacity to lift the burden God's calling you to lift. Because you have shortcut the conviction. You have shortcut His presence. You have shortcut the power of God in your life. I will not go around what God is saying. If God has convicted me about something in my life, I'm not going to keep going around it just because I'm still getting the results. Churches will have thousands of people attend their church, but they're going around the presence of God to get it. They're doing it by systems of man. They're saying, "Here's this will make people come. Well, let me read this book. This book says that if I, if I, if I tone it down in this way, if I have some really hype music, I can get a big crowd. They are doing it to obtain and fulfill religious desires. How many people you got come to your church? Hey, how big is your church? I mean, you've been asked that. Been asked that by your family. You've been asked that by your friends. You've been asked that by people you've invited to this church. Well, how big is your church? Jesus should say, it's as big as God is. How big is your church? Your church is so big, you got it going on in Mexico. Come on, somebody. Your church is so big, you got it going on in India. Come on, somebody. My church is so big, I got it going on right here on the streets that I'm standing on. When you try to obtain and fulfill religious desires for the sake of man, for the sake of your own pleasure, of your own heart, you have gone around the conviction, the power, and the presence of God. When I say, you know what? I was up here and I preached and I, I, I got people to respond. Listen, man, if I say, if anybody's doing anything wrong and you want to get close to Jesus, just come up here. And then repeat three of these prayers and everything is going to change in your life. Just repeat after me. And the person has not been transformed. The person has not been changed. And then I go around and I say, man, we had 300 people saved. They, they might be saved, but they ain't well behaved. Come on, somebody. When I got saved, I got well behaved. Amen. I got the junk up out of my life. And every time I wasn't well behaved, I got convicted by the Holy Ghost. And people say, you know what? They, we don't have to have the gifts of the Holy Spirit today. Because we are still getting the results that we need. We're still getting people saved, but you're going around the power of God. You're going around the conviction of the Holy Ghost. You're going around the presence of God to get it. There, there are churches that will have, listen, there, I don't even know how many churches this morning we're going to have more people in service than you are this morning. I'm going to guarantee it. But if you're all about numbers, let me tell you something. There's another book called the Book of Acts. Get out of the Book of Numbers and get into the Book of Acts. Quit worrying about numbers. Quit worrying about how many you get in your youth group. Come on. Listen, Adolfo, I'm talking to you, man. Quit worrying about the numbers. Numbers will take care of themselves. Amen. Take care of the individuals. Get them engaged in the, in the, in the search. Get them invested in what's going on. Amen. Quit worrying about the numbers. Quit worrying about how many and where and, and when is it going to happen. Just start letting it happen inside of you. Amen. Start letting the process. Stop circumventing. Stop going around to, in order to please Pastor Joe. Well, Pastor Joe, we had this many people come. Wow, well, that was good. You got a pat on the back from Pastor Joe. But what is the power of God saying? What is the conviction of the Holy Ghost saying? Are they really being producing fruit that's going to lead to eternal life? Are they really going for God? Are they really feeling like, you know what, I, I can't live this way anymore. When they come in, are they so convicted? Because you guys are so close to Jesus and the presence of God is invading their life, they've got to say, No way, I can live like this. They've got to, they've got to get, change or get out. 
What, 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 what Mammy used to say is you can't stand the heat in the kitchen, get out. Because God is cooking up something in here, amen? And I'm telling you, God is calling you to his table today. God is calling you to dine with a king today. But listen, don't be showing up. Don't be showing up any old way. Show up refined. Show up in the presence of God. Show up, show up with the conviction of God all over your life that so transformed you and changed you and shaped you and molded you and made you that man or woman of God he called you to be. I will not circumvent God's presence, power, or conviction in order to obtain or fulfill a religious desire. What's a religious desire for you? To be a preacher behind a microphone? If you're doing anything, going around what God is saying to do, just so you can get a microphone in your hand, you have circumvented, you've gone around it, you have invented a way to get what you wanted. But God wanted it, yeah, but he didn't want it the way you got it. Hello? Let me tell you something. Here's a way that God doesn't want. God doesn't want the church to grow based upon splitting other churches. I'm going to tell you right now, that Absalom spirit is prevailing. It's destroyed more churches in, 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 in the world. I'm in India, and churches have, have, have now gotten the split syndrome. They just because what people can't be patient with what God's process is in their, in their life. They got a system. They got an order by a system, and they're looking at people, and the devil's sending people in their life saying, well, you got a gift in your life. How come you just, how come you just serving this guy? Don't think the devil didn't argue. I mean, y'all have been there. <laughs> y'all know there's a church down the road that says, man, you got, you got some gifts, man. You could be our youth pastor. Man, we can give you a budget. Man, don't you want to be a part of it? Man, you can be on our worship team. You ain't playing in your church? Well, come on. I'm telling you guys, if you go around the power of God, the presence of God, the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, just to get the results that you think God wants, you are, be, you are being fooled by the devil. You are being deceived by the devil. What did Jesus do? When the crowds got big, he said, man, ooh, we got to get some more. We got to get some bigger crowds than this, man. What are we going to do? We got, yeah, you know what? We, we need to start doing some more stuff to get more people. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He started saying stuff that would make them mad. Because he wanted to find out who was really with him. He wanted to find out who would really drink his uh, blood and eat his flesh. Y'all going to leave me too? Where else can we go, Lord? Who else has the words of life? That's who I thought was with me. Y'all was the one I picked. Y'all stay with me. Thank y'all. Come on. The crowd left, but the, the, but the core stayed. Amen? It doesn't matter who comes or goes into Metro Praise. The core has got to stay because it's the heart of this church. Get your heart right. Get your mind right. Stop setting your fleshly goals or tr stop trying to obtain the goals you think God has set by your flesh, by your invention, by your soulish way of working it out. I'm gonna just, I just want to throw this in there. I know we're getting down on our time. What time is it anyway, by the way? Metro praise. We're praising his name. Come on. I want to talk to you about, just real quickly, three tactics the devil uses. And I want you to see them in your life, how he uses them on you. But I really importantly, I want to you to utilize this for the people you're discipling. The first tactic the enemy uses is seduction or to seduce. Say seduce. I'll define seduce as to draw you over into a foolish course of action. To draw you over into a foolish course of action. Seduction is that is the art of seduction is to, to is to make you do, make the person do what you want them to do. To draw you, the, the devil's seduction or the way he wants to seduce is he he actually draws us into a foolish course of action, action that we know is not good for us anyway. Amen. But still, he's he's trying to get us thinking along those lines. He seduces us. He's trying to he's trying to hold the apple in front of our face and say, "Come on, try this, man." He uses it through words. He uses it through ideas. 
He uses it through pictures. He uses it through suggestions. But all he's trying to do is to get you to start to move. You may not be doing it yet, but if you're moving, you're being seduced. Hello? You say, you know, I'm, not, I'm not falling. Or they're telling you, I'm not falling. But you know, and the Holy Ghost is kicking on the inside of you saying they are being seduced to the dark side. Maybe they don't have fruit yet, but you know that you're seeing some deterioration in their passion for God. Come on. The second thing he does in his tactics is he uses, uh, he seduce, he will seduce, then he will induce. What is it to induce? Induce is what they uh, do to a woman who's going to give birth, but it hasn't really, isn't ready to give birth yet. It forces a birth. They induce your labor. Hello, somebody. The devil's trying to induce your labor for the dream, but the dream is not done developing on the inside of you. To induce means to, uh, uh, it means to, to put, I, I, I don't have a real definition for it, but let me say this. When the devil induces you, he, get, he draws up the plans. Amen. He gets you ready for the steps that it's going to take in order to get you to fall. Amen? It's like dominoes, right? When he induces you, he's saying, okay, he seduced you to the dominoes. Now he's got you all set up to do it. You understand what I'm saying now? So he induces with his plans, with his schemes, to get you to move upon the thing that he seduced you into. Amen? So the devil, he wants to get you to do something. First, he seduces you. He draws you into a foolish course of action. Then he induces you. He gets you ready. He starts preparing. Your, your mind is ready to sin. Your, your, your heart is ready to fail. You're, 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 in, you're, you're already going there in your mind. Hello? You're thinking about that wrong place on the, on the website or that wrong channel on the TV. Or that wrong relationship that you used to be involved in. You're going back there. Hello? He's seducing you. He's saying, come on. Look, man, just, and then you begin to think upon it because he's laying it out for you. That's inducing. And then thirdly, he, his tactic is to reduce. He wants to reduce your potential, your quality, and your impact on, on, on his kingdom. To reduce means to decrease or to gain control over. So the devil seduces, he induces, and then he reduces. What does that mean? See, the devil knows that the call of God's on your life, the anointing is in your life, the giftings of the Lord is in your life, and that is a, 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 a danger to his kingdom. And because it is a danger to his kingdom, he's going to do all that he can to try to reduce your potential, your abilities to inflict damage on his kingdom. Let me tell you something. It's hard to pray for people when you're in sin. It's hard to pray for people to get their, get free from sin when you know you've got compromise in your life. And you stand up and you're flowing in the anointing and all of a sudden you trip or you stumble. He has reduced your potential. He's reduced your ability. You no longer come with the full confidence that you had. You're not walking faithfully anymore. You're wondering if your prayer is even being heard. Hello, somebody. He wants to decrease you or to gain control over you. And the devil does that in the place of revelation which God has just given you. Immediately when the word was sown, the Bible says that the fowls of the air came to steal the seed. That is a principle you need to understand. Every time a man of God prays over you, every time a woman of God prays over you, they prophesy over you, they stand up and you receive a message and it touches you to the core, you better understand the devil is coming with his seduction, with his inducing, and he's coming to reduce that word because he attacks you in the place where you just receive revelation. If you just receive revelation that tithing is, 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 is the way of God's heart to, uh, to, to open the storehouse, to rebuke the devourer, and you begin to tithe, people, I'm telling you, be prepared to be, have an attack either on your job or on your financial situation. If you just receive the revelation that God is a healer, be prepared to be attacked on, in your body. If you just receive the revelation that you're called into ministry, re believe me, you're going to find out even Elijah battled it. It's a serious depression that will come upon your life. 
I'm telling you, the devil, he wants to seduce you. He wants to induce you. He wants to try to get you to birth the thing that God called you to do before it's time. And then he also wants to reduce you. He wants to reduce your potential, your quality, and your impact against his kingdom. He doesn't want you moving forward in momentum. Amen? When you throw the bowling ball down the alley, it's rolling, but it's gaining momentum. And when it comes to the end, it hits the pins. Amen? The devil seeks to stop those, that momentum. When a car is coming and it comes to a, a, a pothole in the road, it can either swerve and go around and come to a full stop. He's trying to stop and trying to get you distracted with seduction. He's trying to stop you. He's trying to get you to get off course. And so what he does is he comes against you in those three areas. The devil will battle you in the place of revelation, and he'll battle you where you are uncovering the truth. When you're digging in your word and you're starting to believe in the things that God says about your life, he's going to start to battle you there. When you start to say, I don't have confidence in my flesh, but I have confidence in my God, he'll start to battle you there. When you start to see the, the, the hand of God beginning to take things out of your life and bring things into your life, he'll start to battle you there. When he's, you see God separating you from friends, he'll, he'll, he'll battle you there. He'll make every reason to bring them back in. You know, well, you know, uh, you, listen, I have, there'll be people under you. I hear a word from the Lord. There are people under you who decide and they get the revelation that, you know what, the relationship that they're in with that person is not good for their life. And I'm going to tell you, your, your, your disciples are going to battle this. They're going to say yes. They're going to come to an altar. They're going to confess it to you. And they're going to do well, maybe five months, six months, maybe three months. I don't know. But then the devil comes with his tactics and then he begins to battle them in that place of revelation. It's you, your, your job as their leader, your job as their covering, your job as they got their back. That You've got to begin to help them battle back the enemy and remind them of the word and the revelation that God gave them. Come on, somebody. Don't let them go back in the relationship. Well, don't say, well, that's what they decided to do. Man, you don't let them rest. You tell them, man, remember what God did for you. But they'll make up every excuse. Well, they're going to kill themselves. And, 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 and they change. And, they, you know, they want to come to church too. God ain't into missionary dating. Come on, somebody. I'm a missionary. I'm going to win that boy for Jesus. I'm going to love him. Love him to Jesus. God is not into missionary dating. Let that person get saved and on fire for God. And if God really means for it to happen, he'll put them in your life. Amen. Stay in love with the king. Amen. Tell your people the devil wants to draw them into a foolish course of action. Tell your people the devil doesn't want them to succeed. He wants them to have a premature baby. He doesn't want them to have a fully developed vision. And tell them that the devil wants to reduce their quality, reduce their potential. Their ability to inflict damage on his kingdom. Can you say amen this morning? Father, in the name of Jesus, we spoke in your word this morning, Lord. Father, I thank you that you are the God of process, Lord God. God, and you have things planned and organized in our lives. But, Lord, they're in your season. They're in your timing. Father, I'm reminded of the tree in winter that it drops its leaves in the fall. And God, that it draws its sap to its roots in order to survive the winter, Lord God. But God, as the ground begins to heat up and as the temperature begins to change, Lord, the tree release, releases its sap back into the branches, Lord God. And life begins to flow above the surface of the ground. Lord, I believe there are some in here this morning, God, that have gone through a winter, God. They've drawn in the sap. And God, they're not seeing the leaves or the fruit in the areas they've been praying and fasting over, Lord God. They're not seeing the areas in their ministries, Lord God. But Lord, I thank you for the fire and the heat of the Holy Ghost, Lord. That this morning is beginning to heat up the ground and heat up the sap, Lord God. And Father, I thank you that you're releasing the anointing and the sap of God into the branches. Into the branches, Lord God, comes the sap. And with the sap, there is life and, and energy and flow and anointing and revelation, Lord God. And God, you're beginning to bud, Father God, again. Come on, just let the heat of the Holy Ghost Come on, those areas that have been dormant in your life. Those areas that have been dormant in your life right now in the name of Jesus. 
Father God, I ask you, God, to awaken the dormant areas, Father God. And let that sap just begin to flow in your life. And in the process, leaves come, and in the process, buds come, and in the process, fruit is born, and in the process, fruit matures, and in the process, fruit is ripened, and in the process, fruit is harvested, and in the process, people taste and see that the Lord is good. Father, thank you for the process. Thank you for the refining process. Thank you for the birthing process. Thank you, Lord, that you don't focus in on the pain. Because, God, you know that there is pain in the process of birth. But, Lord, you focus in on bringing the life into this world. With your eyes closed, your heart wide open, I'm telling you right now. Somebody, you're in the birthing process. You feel that pain. You feel that pain this morning. And I want you to know that although the doctor is aware of your pain, he's not focused in on the pain. He's focused in on bringing the life, bringing the dream to life. Put your focus on the Lord this morning. Father, I bless these people, Lord God. I ask you to just use them, God. Give them words of knowledge with their disciples, Lord. Give them word of knowledge with the people in their lives that they're trying to win to you. God, give them the word of knowledge, Father God, for their own lives, Lord God. Father, we thank you, Lord God, this morning for your word. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.